everyone, this is Wendy and welcome back to Overexposed, a podcast profiling ordinary people doing extraordinary things made by and for ambitious creatives. Throughout the two seasons of this show, we've had some really incredible guests from photographers to graphic designers to small business owners talking about how they got to where they are and how you can do it too. So this episode is going to be a little different in that I won't be having a special guest joining me. It's just going to be me and you, so grab a drink of your preference, sit down, get comfy, and let me tell you a little bit more about this podcast and why I decided to start it. So you might be thinking, what is Pexels and why is there a photography-related podcast? How does that work? So for those of you who don't exactly know what Pexels is, we are a completely free contributor-based stock photography site. But even more than that, we are a community of creators from the incredibly talented photographers who generously submit their photos to our site to our users who range from people who are on the marketing department on Fortune 500 companies to small business owners who are just launching their site for the first time. Behind the scenes, Pexels is made up of 30 incredible individuals ranging from all over the world. We've been remote from the very start and that's what keeps us unique, I think. We all bring, we bring our own individual experiences from all around the world and we somehow make it work all with the magic of something called the internet. So where does this podcast all fit in? Well, my name is Wendy, and if you've been following us for the last couple of months, you know that I am the host of this podcast and also the social media manager on the community team at Pexels. Prior to this, in another life, when concerts seem to exist, I was, and I guess I still am, a music photographer who somehow found myself in front of people like Taylor Swift, John Mayer, Billie Eilish. I don't know if you've heard of those names, just a few small artists. And I never really went back and thought of my own journey until this pandemic and thought, wow, I really can't believe that i did all of this, but it wasn't because I was super talented by any means. I didn't even have a background or any formal training in photography really until about four years ago. But I got to where I am today because of the aggregate of stories that I've learned from other people and how they got there. And while what works for one person might not guarantee the success of another, what I found was that by listening to the stories of the people that I looked up to, I was able to pick out bits and pieces that I could apply to my own life. And like I said, although it might not guarantee success, at least I know that I am moving in the general direction where I want to be, which is like these people that I looked up to, these music photographers at the time. So growing up, I always knew that I was a creative person. I remember being in elementary school and my family didn't have a lot of money at the time, but we had a Christmas play and everyone was told to bring their own instruments. And since I couldn't ask my parents to go to the dollar store and get me something, I decided to make my own by using tissue paper boxes and elastic bands and a toilet paper roll to make a string guitar for myself. So I knew from an early age for me that no matter what happens, I'm going to find a way out of it and I'm going to find a creative way and have fun doing it. 
But as I grow older, growing up in a very academic environment, the natural way to go was to find a career path that would be most likely to make you money out of college. And this, so naturally, I narrowed down my choices to either go into engineering or business. With engineering, I thought I would be able to create things for other people and be able to solve these problems, but I was really not good at physics or chemistry. So that was kind of off the table for me. But throughout high school, I ended up finding this love for business and specifically marketing. I was really fortunate to be introduced to this program called DECA, which is essentially these case study competitions in business for high school students. And it was pretty prestigious at the time. I ended up getting a scholarship for school and placed first in the International Career Development Conference in food marketing and ended up serving as one of the provincial officers and ran a conference of 8,000 people in downtown Toronto. I was also lucky enough to be able to work for the government of Canada to go on a business trip to China when I was 17 years old and represented the agriculture industry. We visited 18 cities all around China and I basically had to represent the sponsors that sent me over from Canada to these new partners in China and essentially pitched to them to create this partnership. And that was super fun and exciting for me to be able to experience that at such a young age. I was able to use my creativity to create these marketing plans and basically make something out of nothing. And there's there was essentially not really any rules. I fell in love with the creative component of it and decided that that was what I wanted to do for school. So I worked really hard in my last few years of high school to be able to get into the University of Toronto for management and international business. It was a pretty prestigious program where only 40 people got in and I thought this was it, that I was basically set. I was going to complete this four-year program with three paid internships in between, get my degree, land a safe job in a corporate environment on the creative side of things, hopefully, and I was basically set for life. Well, not really. Although I loved the concept of marketing and making creative solutions for businesses, I realized I really hated business school. After my first semester, I remember I failed Calculus 1, and that seemed like the end of the world for me. I had the worst Christmas break where I couldn't tell anybody about this because I was supposed to be the business girl, but here I am really dreading getting out of bed every morning to go to my classes that I was not doing well in, and I just thought that everything I worked towards up to this point was basically scrapped. But moving to a big city like Toronto, I discovered that I really loved going to concerts, and a lot of my favorite indie bands at the time would stop in Canada, and they would only play shows in Toronto and Vancouver. So I was really lucky to be able to see these bands that I never really got to see growing up in a smaller city. I would usually go alone spending $30, $40 on a ticket, but over time as a student with no income, this began adding up. I remember one concert distinctly. It was ex-ambassadors on a really cold winter night and I bought the cheapest ticket in the balcony just so I didn't have to really talk to anybody. I could just go and enjoy myself. But since I was higher up, I was able to see what was going on in front of the stage. And there was this thing called the photo pit and people with their cameras would walk in, shoot three songs, and then most of the time, if it's a small venue, be able to stay back and watch the show. And I thought, 
Wow, this is really cool. I wonder how they got there. They definitely didn't have to pay to get in. They were either getting in for free or even getting paid to do something like this. Now, for me, I had a dad who was a passionate hobbyist photographer. So I was lucky enough that he bought me my very first crop sensor DSLR camera before I went to China on the business trip that I talked about earlier. It was a Canon 70D, and although I took a lot of travel photos whenever I went anywhere, I didn't really know how to use that camera outside of just on auto mode. I essentially had this $1,000 camera that I was using as a point-and-shoot. So I remember going back home that day in my little dorm and Googling music photography. I didn't even know this was a thing at the time, but I started reading blogs and finding some major figures in the music photography world at the time. So I realized the first thing I had to do was learn how to use my camera. And I never had any formal training, but for me, I learned best by just diving right in. So I asked my best friend to come with me to a bar across the street from our school every Friday for a couple of weeks and shoot live karaoke nights. So these were just random people who were there having a good time, and I would bring my camera and ask them permission, of course. If you let me take your photo, I will gladly send it to you for free. And while this was a way to practice my own low-light skills and learn the ins and outs of my own camera, I was able to use these photos in my quote-unquote portfolio at the time. So I built a collection of people singing at different venues in low-light conditions, and put it on a free Wix website. At the same time, there was no blueprint for music photography. It wasn't like, this is what school you go to, this is what job you get after, and after that, you can go on tour with one of the artists on Billboard 100. So naturally, going back into my background of academia, the first thing I did was my research. And I found that during this time, which is around 2016, 2017, music photographers were becoming like celebrities. They were the ones that were able to capture these intimate moments of these seemingly untouchable celebrities that you see on social media and on tabloids. And for the first time, these photographers were starting to become influencers and celebrities themselves and making their rounds in the press, whether that's doing interviews for blogs or being guests on podcasts or starting their own YouTube channel and talking about their own journey. So I would research the heck out of these people. I would try to read everything I could find of them, find their LinkedIn, see what they went to school for and what their first job in the industry was. And I remember I listened to a podcast by Jake Chamzadeen, who toured with Panic at the Disco and Lord and Marshmallow. And he talked about his journey when he first started that it was a lot of being at the right place at the right time, but also a lot of asking for what you want. So a lot of cold pitches. So I thought, you know what? I know the pitch part. I've done this a million times before for my other business-related projects. So I knew the first step was to take my portfolio, spruce it up, and then start emailing it to bands. It was March of 2017, and one of my best childhood friends, Lauren, was coming down to Toronto to stay with me and go to a concert of this really small band that we both loved. So I decided to try it. I took my really poorly set up Wix website and started emailing it to the manager of this band that we were seeing. I didn't expect anything. I just knew that I already paid for this. So the worst they can say no, and I can still go and have a great time with my friend. It, there was no pressure and I really didn't expect anything. 
I would say to them, I am a local music photographer who is willing to shoot your band for free and send you the photos in exchange for a photo pass. And the very next day, which is the day of the concert, in the morning, I remember receiving an email from the manager saying, sure, we've put your name on the list. And I was ecstatic, but I had no idea what to expect. This was a really small show at a pretty small venue, so there wasn't really many restrictions. And although we were only allowed to shoot three songs, I remember I couldn't put my camera down for the whole concert. I shot the whole thing, and it was one of the best experiences of my life. I remember just feeling very light and like I've actually found something for myself. And this was during a time where I thought everything that I worked for was gone to scrap. And although this definitely didn't help me boost my grades in business school, it helped me realize that maybe I can figure this out. If I can get into this concert for free, literally not knowing what to do with my camera, I think I was on aperture priority mode at this time. Still not fully manual, but we've gotten off of auto mode. But I realized I've done the first step. Now it's only uphill from here. And I wanted to challenge myself and see how far I could take this. And if it ends up being something that doesn't go anywhere, at least I found something that was a hobby and that I love to do and that gave me a reason to get up in the morning and learn something new. So it was pretty much a win-win right from the start. So for the next couple months after that, I would send emails to the manager of every small band that would come to a venue in Toronto that I had a free night for. And at the height of things, I think I was shooting three to four small concerts every week on top of doing school and ended up interning at a record label. During the summer of that year, I moved to downtown Toronto from the suburbs and told myself that I would spend four months here during the summer and shoot as many concerts as I can and see how far I could really take this, whether it was a hobby or if it was something I could really turn into uh, somewhat of a career. After that summer, I was asked to be on a publication for the first time, and this meant the onus wasn't on me anymore to cold pitch to these small bands, and it really opened up the opportunities to shoot even bigger venues and bigger artists because I was shooting for a reputable publication. And it started off the same. I would do anything that was available to me just so I can practice and really build my portfolio. But at the same time, I was also studying and putting in the work behind the scenes. I would learn more and more about the stories of these photographers that I looked up to by listening to their podcasts. And one of them that really helped me was Ben Haggerty's Black With No Cream. So Ben Haggerty was Beyonce's videographer and went on tour with her and did her iconic Coachella performance. And he had really close connections with a lot of the music photographers that I looked up to um, being in L.A. and everything. So he would bring his friends on and just chat with them and share their expertise on how they got to where they are. And he's profiled people from g Easy's photographer to Chris Brown's to even Beyonce's photographer, which has ended up being one of his um, really close colleagues. And it was by listening to these people that I realized what I needed to do. For them, there was always that one special thing that they did that got them into the door. And we talk about being at the right place and at the right time, but but it's not just all based on chance. You just don't sit around and hope for the manager of, I don't know, Justin Bieber to ask you to go on tour with him. No, it does not work like that. 
you have to put yourself in situations that will give you the highest chance of these people recognizing you. And that's what got me thinking, what was my competitive advantage? So I have this business background and I'm just starting to get a little bit better at photography, but I still wasn't the best. And there's no way I was just going to beat those people that were obviously really naturally talented at photography. So I had to find another way in. And that's why I decided to intern at a record label. And although I wasn't really doing photography as part of my job for them, I was able to use my marketing knowledge to help them. But also, whenever the chance came, I would say, hey, I'm a photographer. I would love to work on this project or shadow someone who's working on this project in the artistic portion of it. And after four months of paid work, I ended up becoming really close with my old manager who ended up starting his own label. And forming that close relationship allowed me to get a lot of my clients I have now. Being able to shoot their covers for them for their next upcoming album and seeing that being used and benefiting them was extremely meaningful for me. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to help people find their style, but also have that knowledge from the marketing slash label side to know what is needed in this industry and what will work well and what doesn't. But my one true love still lies in shooting live music. And although live music doesn't pay well, it allowed me to think of it as a marketing expense. So I was able to do these live shows for not that much money, but having these photos of these artists and having that access allowed me to use that as a way to build my own credibility and attract more clients in the future. And I wouldn't have known any of this if it wasn't for listening to the aggregate of the stories of these people that I looked up to to figure out what they did and how I can apply it to my own life. After my internship at the record label ended, I had to figure out what my next step was. I ended up switching out of business school into a major in media studies with a double minor in psychology and economics because I loved the idea of being able to cross-pollinate concepts from all different fields because that's what helped me make something out of music photography. And I thought, this is only one small thing. What else can come out of this concept of cross-pollinating ideas? So while I was finishing up my degree, I wanted to find a remote job that I can work on and make some money on the side. And that's where I found Pexels. We were a very small team at first, but it was able to combine my love for photography and business with the freedom to be able to create something and make it meaningful and push the world forward, even in the most minuscule way. And that's how this podcast was born. I wanted to be able to use this platform on Pexels to showcase the stories of these incredible people who have accomplished something in their creative endeavors. And the beautiful thing about podcasts is, let's say you look up to Michelle Obama. It is probably very unlikely that you'll be able to have a coffee chat with her. But there are other people who have, and that's what I found really beautiful about this world of audio is that it's very accessible. And although you're not able to physically interact with this person, you can still be able to get inside their brains via someone else. And it's like the gift that keeps on giving. And I hope with these podcast episodes that you're able to learn something from these guests who have generously given up their time and experience to share how they got to where they are. I hope you were able to learn a little bit about me, your host on Overexposed, and how you can benefit from these podcasts. I hope to be able to share more of my experiences in photography with you guys throughout the next couple of episodes in between our lovely guests that we have planned. 
And if you've made it this far, I just want to say thank you for listening to Overexposed. If you enjoyed our episodes, please consider leaving us a review. Your ratings and reviews will help more people like you find our podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think that would also benefit from it. Until next time, my name is Wendy and it's been a pleasure to share this time.